Welcome to UUCSW Reflections, a podcast by the Unitarian Universalist Congregational Society of Westboro, Massachusetts. We're glad you're here. Welcome to UUCSW Reflections. I'm your host, Amanda Hall, here with Reverend Laurel Gray. This is the monthly episode of this podcast, where we reflect on recent sermon themes and answer questions from the congregation. If you'd like to submit a question, please email it to podcasts at uucsw.org, and be sure to say which sermon your question is about, if applicable. Don't worry, we won't share the names or identifying information about any question askers on this podcast. In this episode, we'll be discussing the sermons All Souls and A Full Table, both of which can be found in this podcast feed. Hi, Laurel. Hi, Amanda. Happy Thanksgiving-ish, almost. Yes. Happy pre-Thanksgiving. Yes. Thanks. Thanksgiving Eve, Eve, Eve. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely a day to celebrate. When actually, when I was a kid, um, because so much of my congregation was formerly Catholic, we had Christmas Eve service on Christmas Eve, Eve. So everyone could go to their obligatory church service with the rest of their family. That's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, for me personally, I know that like Thanksgiving Eve 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 is like always on my calendar to celebrate. So (laughs) And to write that final paper that you write. That's what I think of when I think of Thanksgiving Eve. That's my that's my annual tradition is (laughs) procrastination (laughs) significant academic work Uh uh-huh do you want some church news yeah give me some church news (laughs) Um, what's the news yeah we hired a director of religious education and her name is cynthia and she's wonderful welcome cynthia yeah very exciting she did her first sunday with us this past sunday um and then we did our like kickoff just playing games and sort of learning people's names um, in the afternoon. And so this is, I think I talked about this last time, this is the Circle RE Cooperative that we're starting, um, Mm -hmm. or I guess now have started, which is a joint program between our congregation, the UU congregation in Northboro, and the UU congregation in Marlboro, Hudson. Um, And so Cynthia is working for all three of us in this joint endeavor, which is cool. So um that's very cool yeah so it means like between the three of us we can hire a three-quarter time position instead of Mm -hmm. like multiple one-quarter time positions which is like nobody wants that um Mm -hmm. and it also means that we have better critical mass for things like youth group and sunday school programming and like anything with kids and families um you know so it's not like you and your sibling are the whole re class of your age group um, so do do kids come together like in physical space? Is that the vision or is it like virtual? So so physical space is the goal. We'll figure out sort of down the line if virtual stuff is helpful in certain arenas and ways. Um, mm-hmm. But the Northboro congregation um, has a really big lawn, which is super helpful because our congregation Ooh. and the Marlboro Hudson congregations are on Main Street with like a tiny front lawn, and then lots of traffic, (laughs) which is, like, Mm -hmm. not where you want children playing. Um, And so so we met um, on Sunday, we met at Northboro so we could play games outside. Um, And then we're 
with all of the figuring out COVID safety stuff in all kinds of ways, um, we're working on sort of when and how kids would be indoors um, and how that would work. Um, there's both the benefit, obviously, that now kids are eligible for vaccinations, not really little kids, um, but the ages like five and up tends to be like kids who go to Sunday school age. Um, so mm-hmm. that's positive. And Cynthia used to be an outdoor educator. Um, she actually has a master's degree in conservation biology, which is super cool. Oh, my goodness. I know. That's amazing. I know. Well, where you use, everyone has to right, be like super yeah. overqualified and highly educated. Um, uh-huh. And so, so, but that means she's really good at like, how do you do stuff outdoors? And how do you like check the weather to know how to keep kids safe and all this stuff that is like totally beyond my, you know, understanding of like, put your mittens on. Um, (laughs) Like that's what I've got. Was she an outdoor educator and that like she did education outdoors or she like educated about the outdoors or both at the same time? Okay. Yes. That's what I thought. Just wanted to clarify. About the outdoors while outdoors. That's so cool. Um, And so it was actually really funny because she, um, her like specialty was in, I'm going to get this slightly wrong. Um, but basically in like studying, um, coyotes and wolves, I think. Um, and she did this whole like sub study on, um, native American trickster tales about coyotes, which was, I had no idea, but the children's story this Sunday, if you want to listen to it, it's available online is called a coyote Columbus. And it's this, like, she was saying this traditional, like, Native American trickster tale about a coyote um, that tells the perspective of um, indigenous people in this whole Christopher Columbus narrative (laughs) instead of the very Eurocentric, like, Christopher Columbus sailed the ocean's blue. Um, So it was one of those fun moments of, like, oh, this is so perfect. Like, I, yeah, I had like, no idea when I picked this book that this was, like, exactly the right person to read yes. it who, like, understood it far better than I did. So that was a good sort of moment of serendipity. And, like, this is all fitting together really sweetly. That um, is so cool. Right? It's like, who knew? Um, I did not like, know you studied this. <laughs> Cynthia, you sound so cool. Can you come guest on our podcast sometime, maybe? <laughs> like, that would be fun. Yeah, That's why not? Amazing. Yeah, hundred percent. I so yeah, I have questions. It's all about happening. <laughs> um, and she's also, I also will probably say this incorrectly, um, but she's a pagan priestess of some variety. Cool. Again, outside of my like total realm of understanding, mm-hmm. which is really awesome to have other people with like different kinds of training and different kinds of perspective. Yeah. Um. So the next, appropriately, again, the next thing that we're working on in RE, because it's like the end of November somehow, um, is putting together the solstice pageant. Yes. So parents, mark your calendars. I think it's December 12th is the Sunday. December 19th, the Sunday before Christmas, is when we do the like kids fun holiday pageant that's not about Christmas because we do like a very classic Christmas Eve service. Mm-hmm. Um, so the 19th will be when we do that service. And because of the weather, um, we're not going to try and do this, the solstice pageant outside, which was what I was, I was lobbying for that. And then everyone reminded me that it was winter. 
and I and I conceded that indeed we should probably record it and then play the recordings in the service. So on December twelfth yeah. is the next RE session, um, and we have this very funny sort of play about um, solstice, like suing Christmas for all the things that Christmas stole oh that are really pagan things. Um, so it should be fun. So oh the gosh. kids and teens and everybody. They're going to meet on December 12th, which is Sunday afternoon, um, to record the pageant. Cool. So it should be a fun time. Yeah, that's amazing. I cannot wait to see that. <laughs> Last year's was really great. So I have high hopes. Yes. Amazing. Um, on the 1492 business, like... yeah. How come the only the thing, blue? yeah, how come the only thing I remember from, like, my entire elementary school graduation is that in 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue? Like, why was it so important for every single child to know that and, like, not how, like, taxes work? Like, um, these are great questions, and I, I I'm confused. support your outrage. <laughs> Listen, I'm just asking questions, okay? Yeah, no, same, like... <laughs> Why Why did we not learn something more helpful? But, like, I – so I thought that was interesting from your, like, from your a full table sermon yeah. um, to talk about My Plymouth Rock sermon. experience. Yeah. Having, <laughs> <laughs> like, what your teachers told you about Plymouth Rock is, like, hey, yeah. the rock's not that impressive, but the history I know. is. I was so disappointed. I was just, like, you guys, you guys misled us. You misled um, us. <laughs> yes. But, like, it's – in general, it's, like – it's very interesting to me how we teach, like how we talk about things that are complicated to kids, yeah, yeah. especially at different age groups. So like yeah. before I came to grad school, I worked in like K-12 textbook publishing um, and I worked in the custom Which department. I feel like must be a fascinating eye into the world. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Like they came out with a, yeah. um, a New York Times article that compared like different state editions of history books. Yeah. Um, talking about like the different realities that like people are brought up in as truth. Yeah. Um, yeah. and it's totally true, Gosh. like completely because, um, I mean, this is like a longer conversation about yeah. that, but yeah. one of the most commonly, so I worked in the customization department, so we took like pre-existing textbooks. So we took our existing, so you develop like a national curriculum that works for like all of the US. Usually it's based on like the common core standards. Yeah. So like yeah, yeah. a lot of especially K-12 like textbooks and education like are really specifically tailored to like a list of educational standards, like a bulleted list of like students oh, will know this, students will know this, students will know this. Yeah. Um and that's what the common core taxes. was. Well, there's actually – no, there is actually financial literacy standards now. Um, oh. So, yeah, that's an interesting development that was part of – I think that was introduced in the Common Core initially. Cool. Um, so it's – Common Core is unbelievably political. But anyway, yep. that was yep. the national curriculum that was developed, was Common Core at the federal level. States can adopt it or not. A lot of states do use the Common Core mm-hmm. standards explicitly. Some of them, like Florida, um, use the Common Core standards, but relabeled them as the Florida standards for learning because it's oh, politically geez. unpopular to keep them with the Common Core standards, but they're word for word the same. Um, oh my gosh. And then some states, like Texas, started completely from scratch and 
have a totally completely different curriculum. So they get custom everything. Texas gets custom everything because they're huge. They have a million kids, like million, I don't even know how many kids. I said a million is a big number as though that was real. But like, no, there's like millions of kids and they have big bucks. And so every major publisher makes a full custom curriculum for Texas. Um, I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. So the most commonly customized elementary school textbook is history is fourth grade history because yes because the standards for social studies um for fourth grade are state specific so generally like any state that's fascinating yeah any state that kind of like roughly follows the common core structure which a lot of them really do not all of them but like really a lot of them have like very similar kinds of standards in each year. And then in fourth grade, a lot of the standards are like explain, like understand how your state was founded, understand how your state, like the history of your state with regards to this. Like, so a lot of the standards are about like specific state history. Okay. And so they generally need custom editions um, for fourth grade. And so, and that's also kind of an interesting time to be learning complicated things um yeah because so, you're what like i don't even nine, i don't know how old you are nine ten yeah something Clearly so we do not have elementary age children no i didn't i mean <laughs> <laughs> math was my specialty thought but i did some social studies customizations um <laughs> and a lot of times like they would buy like an entire k5 customization program but the, but we would the only thing we would change on like everything except grade four was like the cover and then for grade oh, four funny. we would like write them a new like supplementary chapter or whatever yeah um so we did it for illinois and um there was a lot of like i mean nothing about u.s history is straightforward like it's always no. complicated yeah. um like the good guys are never just pure like, good guys by today's standards. Yeah. i mean this just doesn't exist and yeah. so like at the same time, there is really, really strong political um, sure. feelings about, like, our national heroes, and yeah. especially the ones that are state-specific. And so, like, trying uh, to talk about, like, the legacy of Abraham Lincoln um, yeah. in a way that's historically accurate and appropriate for ninth graders – or for nine-year – like, fourth for graders, fourth yeah. graders – and we'll get approved by the state board who hired us to make the textbooks. Oh, and, like, that is not a simple process because, like, yeah. Abraham Lincoln, I don't – I mean, this is not necessarily – I don't know how common knowledge this is. But, like, because I was working on this project, I did a little research because I was like, that doesn't yeah. – um, it's probably more complicated than this. Yeah. And <laughs> right. like, obviously, like many politicians has used quote unquote evolved right over his yeah. uh, time in public office. But um, like there's publicly available, like super commonly available transcripts of debates where like he defended himself against the accusation of believing in racial equality in like the oh, social good. sphere. Um, so he was like, oh. of course, I don't believe like African Americans should have like, he didn't believe in like, of, I'm going to slander now. I don't remember exactly, but I, I'm pretty yeah. sure he did not believe in any kind of like educational integration. Um, like Jeez. he, yeah. So he was like still segregationist yeah, yeah in yeah, a yeah. lot of ways and like did not believe that. I don't think he believed in equal voting rights. Um, yeah. I'm okay. pretty sure he didn't. He like, didn't think 
black people were fundamentally like equal to equal white to people human. in any yeah. way. Um, oh. He just didn't think that there should be slavery and that the South should secede. Um, and also because like, if there's free labor in the South, how are the Northern factories supposed to compete? Yeah. Um, yeah. So like lots of economic, economic considerations yeah. mainly. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, all of which is to say like the narrative that I knew about Abraham Lincoln is that he believed in perfect equality. And so he thought slavery was morally wrong and that's the end of the story. Right. Um, yeah. And by the way, that's what a lot of like administrators also think because that's what they were yeah. taught. So anyway, yeah. like there's not there's nothing more political than like the K twelve textbook space. But oh I mean, gosh. talking about like Christopher Columbus and like mm-hmm. the quote unquote settlers as though they were mm-hmm. the first people to like settle the wild lands. Like mm-hmm. when we were talking about like Western expansion of like white people. Yeah. There was definitely like, li- like we weren't supposed to refer to them as settlers, um, if I recall correctly from the style guides, because like we didn't want to imply that they were the, the first, first ones settlers. there. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I mean, none of that nuance really made it into the textbook. <laughs> right, 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 <laughs> right. Mean? The the why did we do it this way? Yeah. So, um, that's a little off topic, but (laughs) I mean, it was, it was kind of a trip, like writing that sermon and trying to think about like, what did they tell us? Yeah. I don't remember. I I don't remember. I think because I grew up in Southern Rhode Island, like I, I do remember going to like a Native American history museum. Mm -hmm. So I think there was some effort. At, like, understanding that, like, the na- like there were people indigenous to the land. Because um, even, like, it was Matunic Elementary School, which is, like, that's an indigenous name for the land. Yeah. Um, but, like, I so cringe in, in retrospect because, like, I definitely made, like, a paper Indian headdress craft project at school as if yeah. that was, like respectful right as is as if that was like honoring the place of native people which now in retrospect is like deeply horrifying right right um so it's complicated it's really complicated i I Um, went as pocahontas for halloween like three years in a row when i was little um really yep there was a huge explosion when i was at um Yale when I was in grad school the the explosion was at the undergrad level um because like all of the chaplains and all of the sports coaches and like all of these faculty had gotten together to write these table tents to put on the um dining hall tables that were basically like think again don't wear a racist costume on Halloween mm-hmm. like re- like what you'd think was super benign and so many people signed off on it and they had like legal counsel. It was this huge mm. thing. And people freaked out and yeah. did this whole like you're limiting our freedom thing. And it was this huge explosion. Um, why why don't people know what freedom is and <laughs> means? 
because it's we we've talked about this it's used as this like it's used as this like slip not out of accountability in this way that's like ugh deeply sickening and we've talked about this right like freedom comes from the word freya which is does not mean this like rugged individualist thing it means to be a friend of it's like Mm. come on yeah it was it was wild so yeah it's like i think like yeah we made those paper crafts like in the early 90s but you know there's still college students at yale who are gonna like blow a fuse if you ask them not to like you know wear a headdress for halloween yeah so and i'm sure that exists in other places right like it was that's not specific to only one institution and that's like Um, that's not like kid kids (laughs) no that's like you got into college and you're studying like pre-med right like come on now guys yeah the world is complicated and the like i i I, it's funny because like a lot of justice work is also very complicated and there's never because like there's a lot of trying to figure out what's morally right and that necessarily Mm -hmm. involves thinking critically and interrogating like what common like not just common sense stuff but also like cultural narratives and myths and how we construct truth and all of this stuff that is like how we were taught to think and figure out the world. And so like trying to use the tools that we were taught to understand the world, but that we (laughs) understood it wrong and using those to understand how they were wrong is like the most ridiculous, like twister style contortions of trying to understand like Um, what is actually real. Ooh, why? Because there's, because this is totally a thing with like I think about UU culture mm-hmm. and our and our thinky brainness. We have UUs are so much more comfortable with thinky brain than anything than like intuitive embodied knowledge, all these other ways of knowing that are not this like Western reason. Um, and I think it's. It's something that I I and I know a lot of sort of ministers of my generation are really focused on is trying to there there's there can be this cultural like resistance to anything that sounds religious, which I think is often coming from from people who've been really harmed by religion, which is of course important and something to be sensitive to. Um and there's sort of a a limitedness to that. Um, and so there's sort of, um, like it's, it's this sort of double knot of what do you do if you're, if your sort of resistance to any understanding of spirituality is coming from a place of hurt. And we've sort of been steeped in this like white supremacy reason as ultimate truth science as ultimate truth um, well and, and institution kind of institutionalized science and reason yes. also right right and and exactly what you're saying like how do you then use those skills 
to try to think about the world in a way that is not centered in white supremacy, which requires, right, the ability to understand things like indigenous ways of thinking or embodied knowledge or, you know, things that don't get written down in textbooks, right? Like that's not the only valid source of knowledge. Well, Um, I think, yeah, I mean, I think you're totally right. Religious trauma is a huge part of that. Yeah. Um, I think, but it, that's it, not the only thing. No, like, like I be, think yeah. in the political sphere, people use that as a dividing line. I think, especially yeah. like post-Trump, because of like, um, like the genuine threat to like democracy caused Facts. by a charismatic, yeah. like yeah. proto-fascist saying. Like, oh, that just isn't true. And just, like, crafting his own reality. Like, as a reaction to that, like, the cry is, like, I believe in science, right? Um, For, like, climate change, like, believe in science and all of that stuff. And so, like, that um, scientism, I guess I will call it, um, is coming from a a reactionary place. um, And, I mean, not to say that we shouldn't (laughs) try to explore the world and understand it yes like (laughs) but like that uncritical acceptance of institutionalized power-backed knowledge production is the only legitimate source of truth is really um questionable questionable uh and so i I have a hard time walking that line myself. Like, why am I, (laughs) like, I think about the ways in which I am critical of, like, the medical industry's approach to, like, weight, for example. Like, um, like, the most recent, like, there's a growing, like, (laughs) I'll say growing mass of people who think body mass index is um, garbage and not a useful metric for health. Right, Um, right, right. But, like. And, like, totally made up and. Yeah. And also measure for, like, a population and not for an individual and was never intended to be right. used for individuals anyway. Um, yeah. But in oh, general, like, there's a a tremendous, like, a huge amount of institutional evidence and, like, scientific, rational, like, all of that stuff that says, like, what you need to do is prescribe weight loss. But then, like, people are using – Within that system, like, the people who are trying to say, like, hey, prescribing weight loss is damaging and it doesn't work and it leads to weight cycling, which can also explain all of the, like, negative health outcomes and stress on the body. Like, those are people who have figured out how to use the same tools to try to dismantle, like, the the house that they built. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, And, like they're making some headway, but not very much and not very quickly. And so it's just like very complicated. It's very complicated. And like, uh, I don't know. Like (laughs) why, why do our brains hate complicated things so much? Also, they're just itchy and like annoying (laughs) to like leave that unsettled. That's such a funny question. Like why our brains want things to be settled. Assurance. Yeah. Why? <laughs> um, I mean, we probably need to ask like an anthropologist that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would would be my, you know. Well, only well, one so from I an actually, Ivy League institution. In, Otherwise, they can't be trusted. I know. Um, <laughs> 
it's okay because we went to Ivy League institutions, which well, is, I'm, you know, it's self-complicated. Well, the thing is also, like, by the way, <laughs> the school I'm at now has had, like, multiple protests about, um, like, their scientific racism in history and their oh, yeah. handling of human remains in the present. Yep. Um, yep. Like, there was a Morton collection was, like, a collection of crania up just like a bunch of Jeez. skulls, some of which belong to formerly enslaved people yeah. that were just used for like oh God. anthropology yeah. lessons. And like finally oh. after like activist protest and like pressure yeah. and media coverage, they finally agreed to like repatriate Style. the remains. And they also had like remains. I mean, it's horrible. It's horrible. Um, yeah. Anyway. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> Um, I, I just say, feel so I, bitter about like institutional <laughs> and academic like sense of entitlement. Like oh, we're yeah. like for the sake of my personal enlightenment and knowledge, like I have the right to do whatever the heck I want. And like my research and progress and whatever is more important than whatever was here before me. And it just makes yeah. me sick. <laughs> Yeah. And at the same yeah. time, like we don't, we have cured polio. So I'm psyched about that. So I'm like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, go team. Yeah. Good but job, like, guys. science and like knowledge, again, like we come back to the thing that it's very powerful, right? And like, power, yeah. things of great power are also very, yeah. um, have done and will continue to do really yeah. pretty horrible and objectionable things as well yeah. as good things. I just like, that's just how it works when things are powerful. Yeah. I'm sorry yeah, to cut you off. Of, I don't, who knows what I was going to say. <laughs> um, this is where I find, <laughs> so when people find out I'm a minister, I've probably said this many times, they, they're they just like any number of reactions that people can have. Um, and it's amazing how often people bring up the Crusades as if I'm personally responsible for the Crusades. <laughs> but yeah. as like a religion is bad. And I want to be like, what about atomic bombs? Like, what about, right? Like, what about eugenics? Like, so you're saying religion is bad, but and like, presumably, like, science is good, or like, objectivism is good, but like, everybody's human. Anything that has been studied has been studied by humans, right? That we humans know about. Like, maybe the elephants are studying things, but like, we don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't put it past them. They seem very wise. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, speaking of science, we can segue into talking about our COVID plan, um, which people might actually sort of be interested. We're working on figuring out um, what to do in terms of going back in person. Um, There's a meeting tonight, actually, with your dad um, to figure out sort of finalizing the tech stuff in the sanctuary um, so that once we go back to being in person because we kind of had this like um i want to say come to jesus moment because i can't think of a non-christian euphemism like that Mm -hmm. um about how the the sort of picture that we had imagined in the spring of how we would go back to being in person um was before variants existed before covid variants existed yeah and so what we had planned was that we would not go back to being in person until people did not need to make a safety call about going to church because we did not, it was not about we'll get into the building faster despite COVID. It was this like, once we 
once it is safe, we will do this hybrid version of in-person and online so that everyone who, who benefits from digital access can still have it. Um, and so we were sticking to that. And then there's the sort of reality of our understanding of the virus, the reality of vaccines, um, and like getting boosters and all of that. I got my booster today. So if you need to sign up, I think Massachusetts sent out a text today um, that everyone can get theirs. So get boosted up if you need to. Um, but but the sort of, we were imagining a world that turned into a different world than what we had imagined. And so we, we were trying to stick to that. And then there's the reality that like, you know, how long do you hold out for that when when there are variants and there is sort of a shifting understanding of um, COVID transmissibility and even what it means to be fully vaccinated at this point. Um, and the understanding that safety is about multiple layers of safety and not just like the pandemic's over, everything's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what we've been working on is the sort of the set of layers that that we can all agree qualify as sufficient safety um and which is sort of a different thing than we were imagining in the spring um and so we surveyed the congregation to get a sense of like what are the what are the different metrics that people are using as their data points for what they think makes everyone safe not just them personally because mm-hmm. we know that like personal risk is very different than right collective risk which includes elderly people, immunocompromised people, and children. Um, And so we, from those surveys and from sort of all of our collective wisdom, um, we figured out that the most important things to the whole congregation to to, um, sort of determine everyone's collective safety were um, kids over five having access to vaccines, um, the internal vaccination rate, Uh, Because there's sort of this like passive assumption that in the town of Westboro, vaccination rates are high and we assume that they are in the church, um, but better to say that outright, right? And sort of have a clear sense of what is our church vaccination rate, which is not saying that we're requiring it, but saying that we all need to know um, where we're at in terms of percentage. Um, And then the third major thing was local transmission rates. Um, which is then, right, this sort of data question of, like, how is data being collected and what does it mean and what statistics mean what, mm-hmm. um, right? Because data is not only data. You have to figure out what it means. Um, so we're working on that. So it's hopefully um, we'll be able to go back sometime in January um, because in addition to those metrics of, like, We've sort of hit a couple benchmarks and then internally um, we're still going to do things like wearing masks and not singing and trying to be social di- socially distanced so that that's another layer um, mm-hmm. to protect people um, so that between all of it, we can say like we've reached a sort of critical mass of safety. Mm-hmm. Um, so and we we made the call um a couple weeks ago not to do in-person services before christmas basically because normally on christmas eve we get like 300 people you know shoulder to shoulder (laughs) packed into the sanctuary which like nobody wants to be 
put in the situation of figuring out what that means. Um, and I'm honestly thankful we made that call because I know some other local congregations started back in person in November, um, like November 1st, but then the COVID rates for the area started to go up again. Um, and so we're suddenly having to go back to being online instead of in person. Oh my God. Um, which is like such chaos, right? Yeah. When there's already such chaos. Um, so I know there's, there has been some, some disappointment and some frustration about the fact that we're not um, in person yet. And the, it's sort of, the choosing, the choosing to go in person and then having to take it back. Um, and we had our local UU clergy meeting last week. And like there, there are congregations that don't know what they're going to do for Christmas Eve. And I so feel for all the people involved in that having to make choices. Um, so it's complicated, right? Like all things. Absolutely. And we're doing our best to make a good choice. Um, so we will be, in case this has turned into a... <laughs> A totally unclear ramble from the minister. Um, so we will be um, definitively on Zoom exclusively through um, the end of the year, which is really to get us past Christmas because Christmas is the big, um, the service that most people come to. So we're going to do the same thing we did last year and do your classic Christmas Eve lessons and carols service on Zoom. Um, and then... Once we get past that, we're going to be looking at the data of is there another spike after Christmas that we need to like wait a couple weeks for it to come down. Um, so that's the plan. So I think it I think it should should be good. Um, and Kayla will still be pre-recording music because we're still not doing singing indoors. Um, but we are in fun news. Because I know a lot of people miss gathering and um, a lot of people miss singing. We are doing an outdoor um, caroling sing on December Saturday, December 18th on the church lawn. Um, and we're going to do it from three to four so we can end with that um, classic candlelit silent night in the dark experience. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> right? Because like that's, that, to me, yeah. that's what Christmas Eve is, right? Me too. <laughs> yeah. You have to have a, those church candles with the paper skirt things that have some very technical name that I can't remember. Do they? And sing Silent Night and try not to spill wax on your family. So we're going to do that <laughs> outside on December yep. 18th. I love that. Yeah. yeah so we're doing our like... best. We're trying to care for each other and be like reasonable and caring and careful. That's yeah. I think that's a good solution. Yeah. We're trying. <laughs> Um, I assume all those details are going to be, like, in the weekly updates and everything? Yep. Yep. Okay. Yep. Awesome. Well, I'm excited that there are some opportunities are to moving. gather in the near future. Yeah, things are happening. Kids and... are having RE Outdoors. We're going to yeah. sing outdoors. It's going to be great. Nice. Yeah. Well, I think... Happy Thanksgiving. Yes. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone, as we anticipate these gathering times together. I yeah. Think. It's okay if you burn the pie. Yeah. It's yeah. not an emergency. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. There's other pies <laughs> and you can eat around it. It's fine. Yeah. It's all good. It'll be great. It's okay if it's not magical. 
I hope you enjoy your pie. Thank you. I hope you do as well. Yeah, thank you. Maybe I should make one. Ooh, do it. Yeah, why not? I could. This is peer pressure telling you to do it. (laughs) (laughs) If you're wondering if you should make the extra pie, the answer is yes. This is this is your sign. Signing off. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. <laughs> Bye. Happy Thanksgiving or complicated Thanksgiving. It's all good. Bye. We'll see you next time. <laughs> Bye. Thanks for listening. For more information about what's happening at UUCSW or for ways to get involved, visit us online at uucsw.org. All are welcome. Pie offensive to anyone? Probably. Probably. You're right. It is probably offensive to someone. Yeah. We don't know. There is no moral purity. We're all a little culpable. Well, we've never had to, like, release any apologies or retractions on this podcast. So, like, it might be nice to kick off 2022 (laughs) with, like, that first. (laughs) Let's say something (laughs) offensive. (laughs) I mean, I don't think enough people listen to this to care. (laughs) Your mom would email me. (laughs) Oh, this is good. It's fine. Okay, we need to get back to saying things like reel it in. We have to get back to saying things like and publish on the internet.